contrary to popular belief, professionalism is not dead on football and other F-words. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum, joined by Michael Herndon today. Zach Lyons has taken some much-needed time off. So it's just the two of us today. You're going to deal with us. We're brought to you by uh, Broadway Sports Media. I almost said we're brought to you by Football and Other F-Words. Like a universe eating itself, our podcast is brought to you by our podcast, so deal with it. BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Come check us out. Grab yourself a premium membership. Uh, Michael, I'll start with some devastating news. Um one Jessica Smetana has tweeted out a retweet by Michael Strahan himself, who has fixed the gap in his teeth. No. Right? Right? What gap was Michael Strahan? Someone that? tweeted Someone tweeted to Michael Strahan, which he read on that. I forgot which night show, uh, you know, tonight show thing was doing the, like, celebrities read mean tweets thing. Someone had tweeted at Michael Strahan years ago, Strahan's teeth are like a middle school dance all the boys are on one side and all the girls are on the other. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's not like it made him a bad looking guy, right? I mean, you know, Strahan, he wasn't suffering for a lack of uh, opportunities in media or anything like that. I mean, it was kind of his signature thing. No, I don't think anyone was like necessarily making fun of it. It was just a, a part of who he was. Yeah. I mean, sad. It, it, <laughs> he turned a great NFL career into a morning talk show into dancing with the stars. I guess, I don't know if that's a thing you want to list on your list of accomplishments, but he's been on it. I haven't. So I can't, I, the gap is gone and it's, it's, I mean, it looks good. Don't get me wrong, but, but it, the key was the gap. Right. I mean, that was, that was, I, I feel like this is a, this is a tough blow for uh, you know, anyone who has a gap out there i mean your your fearless leader has abandoned you that's tough it's like, it's like your favorite bald person now suddenly has hair they've just destroyed you they've left you behind yeah. um all right let's talk about the nfl and the nfl pa nfl is i believe they have voted on it by now we're recording this on a tuesday to approve a now 17 game season um, kind of in a nutshell, the way this will work is, and correct me if I'm wrong, the extra game, the AFC will host the home games one year, the NFC hosts the home games the next year. Um, starting in 2022, the Super Bowl will, will align with the day before President's Day. So those of you that have jobs that give you President's Day off, congratulations, you're getting your Super Bowl holiday that all of us have been have been, you know, bitching about for years. Do you um, think everyone's going to, like, all businesses should now make President's Day a day off, right? I mean, th yes. if you were on the fence before, this gives you an excuse to do it. So I've been, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, for the last year, we've all been dealing with COVID. I'm, I'm real hard up on two things right now. A, we need a secret, second COVID Thanksgiving. I don't care what you want to call it, but give it to us in like March or April or something to where, you know, Thanksgiving is basically, it's on a Thursday, right? No one works that Friday. I don't care what job you have, unless it's in a godforsaken retail place that's doing with Black Friday, you're not getting any productivity out of your workers on that Friday. So I want the same thing for, for whatever you want to call COVID day. It needs to be on a Thursday. Everyone eats way too much. No one works on a Friday. There's I also need President's Day. Yeah, I also need President's Day as man mandated. I work in a job that does not give us President's Day off. I want that as 
sacrosanct as Christmas. It should be. It's it's only right. I mean, of all the stupid holidays that that we take off for, is the day after the Super Bowl not the more useful day? Like, is that not more useful than like? I mean, some people give give days off for Easter, right? Like, what what are you doing on Easter that you need a day off for? You need a day off after the Super Bowl because everyone's getting drunk and eating terrible food and feeling like a bag of assholes the next day. So, is that not what you do at Easter? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> is that not the purpose of holiday? The, the egg hunt gets wild <laughs> at our house. So <laughs> the eggs the eggs are filled with PCP. <laughs> It's just uh, it's just little tiny airplane bottles is what we do at comes with. Is that not what <laughs> everyone actually, does? <laughs> actually, that's a great idea. An adult, an adult egg Easter egg hunt, and all the Easter eggs are filled with airplane bottles or cash or I'm I'm writing this down. Why don't, um, why don't we just make Easter the day that you're talking about for COVID day, and we'll call it Feaster, and we'll just move it to Thursday. Michael, I love you. But I need the extra day off. Like I want it to be like Thanksgiving to where it's like on a Thursday to where every business out there realizes you might as well just give us the Friday off too. give us a four day weekend, make it or, or like you said, make it kind of like Labor Day, right? Where it's that Monday or something like I, yeah. I we need an extra day to screw around. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of screw around, I'm asking you a question about the uh, the extra NFL season. We're talking about Easter egg hunts. <laughs> uh, do you like the fact that the NFL's adding a 17th game? I do personally because I love watching football, right. and this gives me one more football game to watch. Well, really, uh, what sixteen more football games to watch, um, and one less preseason game. Which, by the way, is is kind of how they're selling part of this. Is they're taking away a preseason game, they're adding a regular season game. I don't fully understand why they're they're leaving a gap now. So. Uh, much much like the gap that used to be between (laughs) (laughs) they're leaving a gap between the they basically just pulled the fourth preseason game out of the schedule and they're leaving that week open and then they're putting a game onto the end of the schedule and pushing the playoffs and the Super Bowl back a week so I'm not sure why they're doing that unless they are just specifically doing it because they want that uh president's day tie in uh with the super bowl maybe that is kind of part of the driving force behind that but i don't understand the the two the two weeks off between the third preseason game and the first regular season game are going to feel like an eternity i already felt like it was took forever because you're typically your last preseason game was on a thursday and then your first your kickoff would be on a sunday and that 10 day period felt like forever now it's going to be longer than that and that's just going to feel like an eternity between the end of the preseason and the regular season so i am not yeah. i'm not sure i'm crazy about that part of it but i i like to watch more football games that matter so i'm i'm happy for the change uh, yeah okay so the the op opt op wow my god opportunistic fan and podcast recorder in me Obviously, I love it. I mean, I want more football to talk about. I want more football to experience. And also, I want more football that that matters, right? I mean, listen, I don't like preseason football at all, but I'm like everybody else. I tune in for the first 45 seconds of the Hall of Fame game and then realize I'm watching a fake product. Um, and then I and then I tune in, especially for the first preseason game, and I'm like, oh, my God, a quarter of football, and then I can't deal with it anymore. By the time you get to the fourth preseason game, no one gives a shit. No. You, you don't want to listen to it. But or, or you know, or especially watch it. But like this eliminates one of those godforsaken preseason games, gives us more actual football, and it actually creates a dynamic that I like for the playoffs. Of 
that extra week of everything being pushed back means that an NFC or an AFC championship game has the chance of being in a place that is going to get a horrific amount of snowfall. Like I obviously I don't want the bills to succeed in any way, but I want an AFC championship game in Buffalo pushing late into or right into the winter, right? Where to yeah. where you might be dealing with a foot of snow. <laughs> We're gonna end up with that at game. some point. That's absolutely gonna happen. I do think that one interesting piece that's in this is all 32 teams are going to play internationally at least once a year in an eight-year period beginning in 2022. Now, A, the way that's phrased means that's not just London. That includes Mexico City. No, the NFL has hinted around possibly doing like another Tokyo game, possibly China game. Well, China will have to say things are not going so hot with that relationship right now. But I think uh, I think Albert Breer actually had it this week that they are they're targeting Germany, uh, either um, uh, Munich or uh, Berlin, I think, for for one of those games. And then they've talked about Brazil too, um, going down and playing in South America. I don't think they'll end up playing in asia right now because of some of the time zone logistic issues like play unless they're going to play the game locally in the middle of the night there then they're not going to have then they would be airing it in the middle of the night here so it's right it, the time zone thing really screws that part up mm-hmm. but all these other games you know and, and the nice thing about that i, I think it was they're going to have at least three maybe four games a year in that uh for for local people in nashville that are central time people in that 8 30 a.m time slot where you wake up and you're kind of like why is football on this or early but then you're like really happy that you get to watch essentially like 12 hours of football that day um they're gonna be like three or four of those weeks per year now so that's really nice um i, I like that uh part of the schedule change quite a bit so a give me a game in germany you oh, know, sure. I mean, I absolutely listen. If you've listened to any amount of this podcast, you know that Mike and I are big fans of travel to Germany, big fans of Oktoberfest. <laughs> I may need to reason. go visit the sausages. Give me a reason to go back to that blessed <laughs> land of pretzels and beer. But um, I, I'm a little more interested in this dynamic of this. Uh, you've got some players, including like Alvin Kamara, who have expressed their disappointment in this. Um, it does seem to be that quite a few veteran players with, with obvious reason don't want to play an extra game because of injury. That's a valid, valid concern, but here's my thing. This barely passed. I don't remember the vote total, but it was kind of close. If you are that adamant about this, how are the players not able to organize better to vote against things like this? And if they're not, then what the hell is the NFLPA doing for these players? The NFLPA sucks. The NFLPA sucks. A That's time. the lead up Barry Gear. Yeah. Yeah. That that is the true true story here. The NFLPA sucks. But I will also say that I know Kamara is is upset. He doesn't want to play the 17th game. And he's mad because, right, like, yeah, they're taking a preseason game away, but he wasn't going to play in that preseason game anyway. So right. he's playing an extra game and and you know, not getting the game that he would normally sit out. But there are players that play in that preseason game. So, you know, and the PA does represent them too. Like they don't just represent the stars. So taking away a preseason game now, granted most of the players that would be playing in that fourth preseason game would tell you that they want that game there because that, that gives them a chance to actually put something on tape and and get it out there. But 
the NFL has done studies and they have found that actually preseason games have more injuries than regular season games, believe it or not, which is kind of, kind of counterintuitive, but I think it makes, it's probably more related to just being earlier in the season guys, not quite being in shape yet, or at least not in football shape and going out there and, and, you know, maybe getting some soft tissue stuff going on. But I also think it may be part of, there's a certain level of, effort where like if you're not going full speed uh, you know and someone else is and, and you take a hit from a guy where you're maybe a little bit more lax than you would be in the regular season you're more at risk for injury there so I I don't know that the player's injury risk question like I, I guess it stands up if you're a, a star player because you wouldn't be playing in the game now you are going to be playing a game and no risk of injury is certainly uh, better for you than than a little bit of risk of injury but uh, it is there are some interesting studies out there as far as like preseason game injury rates versus regular season and stuff like that that I think the NFL is using to sell the PA on this this idea but you know so I'm kind of interested in this I, I was thinking about this right before we started recording um it's kind of off the top of my head so if I sound like an ass face just tell me this is idiotic Michael <laughs> stop asking this question um are you going to see more contracts that are going to be geared towards a little bit longer stats because they've got an extra game to, to achieve that? And what I mean is like, say you get a wide receiver and they would have a bonus attributed to a thousand yards. Is the team going to try to work it into 1100 yards because they know that now with 17 games, you know, it's easier, or I, I should say the path provides them an extra game to try to acquire that. Yeah. So I think that's honestly the biggest downside of, the whole change to 17 games in general is the fact that we're going to have to reorient ourselves to what stats mean, like at least like cumulative season long stats. And I tend to think they're generally not that big a deal, unless you're talking about like, if you're talking about a thousand yard running back, like it's like the difference between a 990 yard running back and a 1010 yard running back is not that big a deal but right. on paper it really like I, I feel like those little milestones are always going to be there to say oh well he got a thousand yards last year you know that sounds a lot better than he got 990 yards it, it's one of those mental trick things right um but th stuff like the rushing record like that that is a record that goes back to 1984 um and it stood for a long time uh, eric dickerson's 2105 yards that record you know, Henry got pretty close last year. He was within a hundred yards of it. Um, obviously didn't, didn't quite get there, but there's a pretty good chance that record is going to fall. Now it's got to have an asterisk by it though, unless you, I guess, get more yards per game uh, than Dickerson did, but like everything you're going to have to compare on a scale because, you know, if you throw 60 touchdowns on a 17 game season, you know, that's not quite as impressive as throwing 60 touchdowns on a 16 game season so it's kind of it's kind of gonna mess with all the records like the the big records like that that are that mean something uh in the nfl so and then once you once it goes for a while like the career long records and stuff like that all of that kind of has to be adjusted too because these guys are just gonna have more opportunities to play um than their counterparts did for years and years and years which i mean if you go back far enough, the NFL used to be 14 games long and, and moved to 16. And, you know, we've adapt, adapted to that. Eventually we'll adapt to this. But um, I think that's really the biggest downside to me is, is just 
losing some side of what the records are. And, and I do think you're right about the contracts. You, you've got to adjust your incentives and what you think, you know, a guy, if you're going to set a, a sack incentive out there, like for 10 sacks, it's gonna be a lot easier for a guy to get 10 sacks now than it was last year. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how teams kind of re recalibrate some of that stuff. Or as the Titans defense la did last year, would have just provided us an extra game to watch zero sacks at all. <laughs> um, so I want to ask two more questions. A, um, I don't even know that this is a question more of just a statement and it's a lot of hyperbole. So deal with me. I feel like the, the NFL has just eliminated my dream of the perfectly defeated NFL team. Only two teams have ever gone. zero and 16, 10 NFL teams total went completely defeated, but up until the modern era, zero and 16 had only been accomplished by two other teams, the lions. Um, and was it who, who had the other one? The Browns. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I feel like the NFL has just put a dagger in that. 0-17 is going to be so much harder because you're, we always you're know. You're looking at this all wrong. You're Why? looking at it all wrong. Because when Adam Gase takes over the Bears in two years, you're going to get to see an 0-17 season, and you're going to get to celebrate that season like you should have gotten to celebrate an 0-16 Jets season this past year. So your if dreams are finally going to get to come true. If you're just now tuning in, Michael's lying to my face and doing it with a smile, <laughs> doing it with a smile, because we always know that there's that team that they win one game at the end of the season, maybe two, but that first game that they win to stop the defeated streak, they celebrate like they just won the Super Bowl, and it always infuriates me. Like, you've accomplished nothing. It's it To me, it's like if you're already getting blown out and you score that late touchdown, you don't celebrate you hand the ball to the ref and you get your ass off the field because you're already embarrassed that team always celebrates and i feel like the nfl has just they've just screwed me so don't don't, don't come to me with adam gase lies don't don't do that to me gase needs that, another shot question number two and this is kind of serious it, how does this affect fantasy football what do we do at the end of the season now i mean do you push back the playoffs how how far do these extra games do you let a good fantasy football league go so I, I think, you know, if you are playing fantasy football and you were playing your championship game in week 17, you're, um, you're not doing the right thing. Like you, you are an absolute savage um, and, and a lawless person who should not be allowed anywhere near a fantasy football. Yeah, your league so, is filled with animals if you're doing that. Yeah, you're the filthy, unwashed masses. I can't, I can't even talk to you right now. So uh, if you push your fantasy football league to week 18 now, just delete, delete your account, get out of fantasy football. You have no business being here. What you should do as a responsible fantasy football owner is move your championship game to week six or week 17 now. So your week, your championship is your second to last game of the season. Very few teams sitting guys and, and that sort of thing. Still, I, I don't think it's going to change that much. Uh, from what we saw in week 16 previously. So I think that's the responsible thing. You do get an extra week of fantasy football. You get an extra week of gambling. There's a lot of benefits here uh, to the 17th uh, regular season games. We, we, we like this. We, we like all of these things. I can deal with a little bit of record weirdness. It's funny that we're, we're all describing things that if you have a non-football fan spouse, or it's all negatives. Oh, you've added sure. an extra week of football, right? Yeah. You've added an extra week of gambling. Good luck to bank accounts. You've added an extra week of fantasy football. So now you got to listen to that shit. You got to listen to your husband in there screaming about how ex coach is not handing the ball to Y player and I'm down two yards, you 
absolute assholes. But I, I, I got to say, overall, I like the fact that we're getting more football. I think all of that's a positive. I do hate it for the players and the injury prospects, of course. Um, but damn, overall, we get more actual good football, not in, in less preseason. That's a yeah. win for all of us as fans. Honestly, I would have taken less preseason as a win, but but giving me an extra regular season game is just like a little cherry on top. The, the, the less preseason is, is the pie here. Yeah. So um, I'm going to pivot a little bit. And this is a little bit of a selfish question that I'm going to ask, but we've seen a lot of, especially in our group chat, but it's starting to leak out into Titans Twitter as well. Um, Elijah Moore to the Titans. Is this a reality or is this something that I just need to, I need to accept is not going to happen. Elijah Moore and AJ Brown is like the, the friendship that like, I feel like we would need a reality show and things yes. like that. If they were to draft Elijah Moore and like, just follow these guys around. They seem like a lot of fun together. Obviously Elijah Moore has like the famous uh, celebration from the egg bowl where he hiked his leg and, and did the peeing thing and all that. He's also a fantastic do you understand, player. Do you understand that he, he brought Lane Kiffin like that? This is where I think Ole Miss fans need to be 100% on board with Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore and the P-Fest brought on <laughs> brought on Lane Kiffin in the fun times. Without the Egg Bowl turning into the And if you don't know what we're talking about, go watch the, just search Elijah Moore Egg Bowl. That Egg Bowl was a travesty and it was amazing. So you have to go look this up. But he brought on the good times and the fun times at Ole Miss. Yeah. And I, I think the Titans, so Elijah Moore is one of these guys that's kind of rising in the draft process. He obviously had a great pro day the other day. He's, you know, a little undersized, but he's incredibly quick. Um, four, three speed, you know, great change of direction stuff. Produced like crazy, incredible route runner. He's got like all the skills you would want for a guy uh, that would excel in the slot in the modern NFL. So, He's a guy that's rising up in the draft process. I think Albert Breer in that uh, um, in his Monday morning quarterback or I can't remember which one. Yeah, it's Monday morning quarterback uh, on SI this week mentioned that teams he's talked to are higher on more than the consensus that's out there. And he thinks he has a chance to sneak into the back half of the first round maybe even be the fourth wide receiver off the board behind uh, the top four of Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle. So I, I think the Titans, he'll probably be there at 22, would be my guess. Um, but the odds of him sliding all the way to 53, I feel like are less than what we maybe, maybe initially thought as we've been going through mock drafts and the draft process and everything like that. So I think if you – are, are daydreaming about an Elijah Moore, A.J. Brown, Buddy Cop uh, show coming to the Tennessee Titans wide receiver room, you probably need to be looking for him at 22 or maybe a little bit of a trade back and get him towards the end of the first round. I, I think that's probably where he's about, about to end up uh, in the draft process. So certainly possible, and the Titans do need a wide receiver. They do need a slot wide receiver specifically. Um, he would fit really nicely with AJ Brown and Josh Reynolds. So I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, he may be the best wide receiver on the board, um, depending on your 
uh, opinion on him, Rashad Bateman, Terrace Marshall, and some of these other guys uh, when the Titans do come up to pick in the first round? Listen, the name of the show is Moore and Brown. Uh, there's high-fiving. Somebody slides across the hood of a car. I, I, I just – I mean, this is my life. If the Titans – if the Titans pick him at 22 – are you objectively happy as a they've made a good football pick or do you think they've reached? I think to me, it would be like a slight reach maybe. Um, but Is it not a Corey a Davis reach? reach? No, it's not a Corey Davis reach. It's, I mean, you could certainly see him becoming super productive at the NFL level. He's super productive in college, does – you know, everything well, really. He's just a little undersized. The only reason we're not talking about him as like a potential top 10, top 15 pick is his size. Um, so I think size matters less and less in the NFL, especially as a guy who's going to be working out of the slot and not really facing a lot of press coverage. Um, I, I think I would be personally happy at 22 because not only do I like Elijah Moore and think he makes this offense a lot better and more fun to watch, I love a happy AJ Brown and you know, AJ Brown yes. would be happy having his buddy with him all the time. I feel like they push each other to be better. They have a great relationship. It seems so a happy AJ Brown is a good AJ Brown and Hey, let's face it. The Titans have to pay AJ Brown. Probably not this, this off season, but next off season is when he can first el be eligible for an extension. And that's going to be like a $20 million a year kind of endeavor. So if there's something they can do that makes him a little bit happier and maybe he signs for a little bit less so he can stay here and be friends with his buddy. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not necessarily saying he would do that, but Hey, let's just keep AJ Brown happy. That's good for everybody. Brown and more. It's coming to Disney plus 2022. I feel like they run and operate a coffee shop and hilarious hijinks. And so um, <laughs> let me ask about Pete Prisco. I want to know what you think, because I know nothing about this story other than he said something about the Jags are going to be great for the next decade. Please don't leave this whole story so I can laugh in his face. Yeah, so he went on some CBS show, and I apologize for not knowing what the show name is. It's Big like CBS, CBS HQ or, or Young Sheldon or one of those. <laughs> um, young Sheldon. <laughs> he's on Young Sheldon talking about, uh, and they asked him about the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence, and he said, oh, the Jaguars are going to be one of the best teams in the NFL for the next decade. Um, you know, they're going to get the quarterback. You know, Trevor Lawrence is special. And you saw what happened with the Chiefs. They got Patrick Mahomes, and, and you know, look at where, where they are now. I've got major issues with this. The biggest being the Chiefs were a playoff team when they got Patrick Mahomes. They had to trade up from 26 to 10 to, or 10 or 11 or whatever he got to get this guy. Um, they were good. Like Alex Smith was good. They were going 11 and five. They were winning divisions. They were making the playoffs. They had Andy Reid. They had Tyreek Hill. They had Travis Kelsey. They had an infrastructure waiting for Patrick Mahomes to bring him into. And then Patrick Mahomes set the whole thing on fire and took it to another level. Trevor Lawrence is heading to the swamp of Florida the armpit of Florida in Jacksonville where they have a college head coach who's out here hiring racists. They've got a bunch of guys who went one in 15 last year and lost 15 consecutive games. Do not equate the Chiefs situation with the Jaguar situation. They are not the same, not even remotely close. The Jaguars may end up being good in two to three years. Uh, if urban Meyer turns out to be better than what his hires have been so far as, a head coach but 
this is no guarantee for, for Trevor Lawrence to suddenly all of a sudden be the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Like, give me a break on that nonsense. Their defense sucks. They don't have anybody to the level of Hill or Kelsey on the roster. And they don't have the offensive line that the chiefs had when, when they inherited uh, Mahomes. So Prisco is in Prisco has bad takes all the time. This is among his worst, like an absolute garbage take. I really don't – I don't know how you look at that unwashed crevice of the continental United States and see <laughs> that that team it, it has no functional pieces that are working that gives you any kind of indication that they're going to start dominating for the next decade. I, I oh. mean, we have said multiple times on the show, and, and I know we're saying it a lot with the tongue and, you know, tongue-in-cheek humor, but in all seriousness – I don't see Urban Meyer lasting there past two years. He's a man that does not handle losing well. He's already been doing some bitching about how the NFL process works and free agency and that kind of thing. I think that's only going to start to amplify when this man starts to lose. And when that team starts to lose, he's going to be the first one to jump ship. How can you sit there and say that a team is going to be dominant for the next decade when they just hired a head coach that has provided us plenty of evidence that he doesn't want to stick around for any kind of losing mentality. I just don't see it. You don't change coaches and be dominant for 10 years. You don't bring in a new quarterback that has no infrastructure around it and suddenly say they're going to be dominant for 10 years. This man has also not thrown a pass in the NFL yet. He has what looks like the tools to succeed. And I do truly think he will, but I don't know that he's going to succeed in Jacksonville. I think he'll succeed probably in his second destination, but (laughs) After Just, he I'm trying, and I'm, I'm trying not to be a Titans homer who doesn't like Jacksonville. I'm trying to be an NFL fan who has witnessed Jacksonville being the sack of suck that it is for as long as they have and find trying to find a way that he comes to the, the indication that they're going to be great for a decade. Pete, I might be able to get on board with you. If you had said they're going to light it up for the next two to three years, you're going to be surprised at how good they are. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. That's an easier take to swallow dominant for the next decade. The hell out of here with all that. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Trevor Lawrence has been playing with more NFL players at Clemson than he will be with the Jags. <laughs> and I mean that with all offense possible towards the Jaguars roster. You, we, we are so done. I know you in particular are so done with Clemson players in the NFL, particularly oh, if they play defense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just keep them out of Nashville. We don't need any Clemson players here. We're all good. So I wanted to ask, obviously, since we last recorded, um, Miami Dolphins went on a trading spree <laughs> with, with picks. Um, the first one they ripped off was trading San Francisco, uh, the number three overall pick for for a bevy of first round picks coming up in the next couple of years too, in fact. Um, and then hours later, traded their number 12 to Philly to move up to number six in the first. Am I correct on that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they traded down and then back up. So they kind of boomeranged. So let's start with San Francisco. Obviously, the, the talk about we're not drafting a quarterback is nonsense. They're going, you don't do this to go after an edge or something, right? I mean, you're getting a QB. Yeah, they're, they're 100% getting a quarterback. That The interesting thing now is, are they getting, are they going for Mac Jones, which is what like Daniel Jeremiah came on the, uh, I think the athletic uh, football show uh, podcast this past week and said that he, the people that he knows that he talks to in the league, uh, the people that would know almost universally believe that they are trading up to number three for Mac Jones, which 
is wild because Mac Jones is pretty universally viewed as the fifth uh, quarterback out of the top five, which is, you know, obviously Trevor Lawrence, uh, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance, and then Mac Jones. But it sounds like, and then Shanahan was at Mac Jones's pro day today and, and all that. Now, this could be a gigantic smoke screen, but it, it would be fascinating to see what – uh, what would happen if Mac Jones was the guy that they were going to get? Cause like, I don't know. Mac Jones was, was definitely not like a highly heralded uh, quarterback coming into this year. He put up obviously great numbers throw into Devonte Smith and, and Jalen Waddle and that unstoppable Bama offense. But uh, you know, not, not nearly as physically talented as any of the other guys in that top four pack. So I, it's, very interesting to see what happens now with San Francisco and their quarterback situation. I mean, if you, but you, you have to put your money on that. They're grabbing a QB, right? I mean, oh, surely sure. to God, they're not, I mean, that's a lot of draft capital to give up over the next two years to not draft a quarterback. No, they've got to be getting a quarterback. And, and I do buy the, the notion that they may start this season with mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo as, as their starter in, in the, rookie is his backup and because their roster is built to win right now like they've got a really good roster and that's why and i've i've i think i mentioned this on on twitter but i truly believe that whoever the 49ers draft it with that third pick is going to outperform all of the other quarterbacks including trevor lawrence uh at least for their rookie contract because the infrastructure you like you talk about the mahomes thing the infrastructure around these guys matters so much when they come into the league. Do you have offensive weapons? Do you have a good offensive mind, uh, you know, that's going to be leading that, that group? Do you have an offensive, uh, an offensive line to protect you? The 49ers have all that. Like they just re-signed Trent Williams. They've got, you know, a couple of first round picks uh, or high picks in Brandon Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel at wide receiver. They got George Kittle. They've got Kyle Shanahan, obviously. That that quarterback, whoever it is, even if it's Mac Jones, is going to be so much better set up for success than Trevor Lawrence is going to be in Jacksonville, than whoever it's going to be is with the Jets than you know whoever it would be with even Atlanta who I think would probably be the next best landing spot for a quarterback out of the the group that's looking for them or maybe the Broncos I I could see the Broncos getting in that mix but the Niners are going to be a good spot for whoever they end up picking so I I think whoever they take is going to have some success but you know they may not play right away because uh, the the Niners want to win right now. How do you feel overall um, with kind of an ugly pivot? How do you feel overall about Titans free agency so far kind of leading into the draft and um, the players that they acquired? Uh, do you, do, I mean, you can give me a letter grade if you want. I'm just going to laugh at you because I think letter grades for all this shit is really stupid. Draft letter grades to me are the absolute worst. I'm dying to, yeah. and I may actually do it this year, of going back and looking at letter grades for like the past three years of just, say, Titans drafts and seeing just how wrong they are. Yeah. Um, but I digress. Um, how, do you, how do you feel about Titans free agency so far? You know, it's um... – kind of a mixed bag obviously like i feel like the pass rush is definitely better that was the one spot they had to improve they've done that with dupree and autry um i feel like the secondary is kind of a wash compared to last year i know a lot of people are you look at well you lost you know at dory jackson you lost malcolm butler you lost kenny vaccaro 
I think Hooker's better than Vaccaro one. Um, like full stop. I think he's just a better player right now at this point in their careers. Um, I think Janoris Jenkins is a rough equivalent of Malcolm Butler. Um, both older guys. I think Jenkins got more juice uh, as far as being able to run. He may not quite be as as physical as Butler, uh, but I think they're roughly equivalent. The question becomes who's better between Christian Fulton and Adoree Jackson this year. And, and, you know, obviously you didn't even have a Dory last year. So for people to say the secondary is absolutely worse than it was last year, I don't think it is because if you're counting a Dory Jackson, you're certainly not counting the guy that showed up the last four weeks of the season and played horribly. You're counting the guy that you saw in 2019, who was actually a pretty good corner. Um, so I don't think there's any way the corners are worse than they were last year, unless there's like mass injuries and stuff like that at the position. But on paper, it's a rough equivalent. I, I think they're probably going to spend a draft picks there uh, relatively early, but you know, we'll, we'll see. That's the spot that I think is really interesting on defense. And then obviously the offense tight end is going to be worse, you know, regardless of, of who else they go get uh, at this point wide receiver may be okay. Like if they go and draft Elijah Moore, I could see Elijah Moore and Josh Reynolds being better than what the Titans got from Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys last year. So I don't think it's the offense is a probably a little bit worse. The defense is a little bit better on the whole, in my opinion. So, you know, that's not a huge win right now, but we also haven't seen the draft. We also haven't seen the end of free agency. Like they could still bring back Daquan Jones. They could still go sign another edge rusher. There's still guys like Justin Houston, obviously Clowney's still floating out there, although it doesn't sound like he's likely to come back. Um, then there's uh, Ryan Kerrigan, Melvin Ingram. There's still some big time pass rushers out there that they could go get and even supplement Dupree and Landry uh, up front. So there's still some moves to be made and the Titans still have access to money via the potential Tannehill restructure. So they're still kind of sitting on some money that probably doesn't show up when you look at spot track or uh, over the cap or, or whatever site you like to look at, but there is some money that they have access to, to go sign some, some pieces. And as more people get relate released to, they could be in a position to benefit from that. So I don't think they're done, but you know, I think it's about a wash overall as, as boring of, of a take as that is. Any, before, before we end here, the last thing I want to ask you, any pro days that Robinson and or Vrabel have shown up to that you've been surprised that they're there or disappointed they didn't go to others or just anything you gleaned out of that that you, uh, you believe is interesting? Yeah, so I did think it was, it was interesting that they went to the Tennessee Pro Day and not um, – what was the other one that was that day? Wasn't Old Miss the same day? I think it was Old Miss. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised that they went to the Tennessee one. Now, I like Trey Smith. I like Josh Palmer, um, both as prospects. Uh, you know, they, we obviously saw Vrabel working out with, with Trey Smith, I think taking some snaps from him, stuff like right. that. Trey Smith seems like a guy that they would like. Um, but – Oh, Miss Elijah Moore. We've already talked about it. That, that's a guy that you're really interested in, obviously. Um, or at least I would be if I was the Titan. So it doesn't mean that they're not interested in him, but it is, I guess, at least notable that they decided to go to the Tennessee Pro Day over uh, that Pro Day um, when they had the choice between the two. Other, other ones, I don't know that anything's really stood out. Um, you know, they went to the Michigan, I think Vrabel went to the Michigan pro day. Um, 
And they've, they've got some interesting guys like Nico Collins, the wide receiver, Jalen Mayfield, uh, right tackle um, prospect. So Quiddy pay, obviously edge rusher. So I don't know. It, it's hard to read too much into it. I do know that the Titans love mm. the, the, the guys that, or the pro days that they both show up to like Robinson and Vrabel, I think shows some serious interest. I think they were both at Alabama. I think they were both at um, trying to remember what the other one was now, but I think the ones where they're both there shows some clear interest um, in maybe not one specific guy, but at least a group of guys, because Rabel has famously said he likes to get his hands on these guys and feel, you know, them work against him a little bit. And that makes a difference to him in his evaluation process. Now, maybe you can say, all right, well, based on last year's draft class, that didn't work out so good, but he didn't get to do that last year either. So maybe that is the key. That's the secret sauce to having a good draft pick is, is Vrabel getting his hands on them and being able to, to shake things up with the chest protector. You just reminded me of my favorite Twitter, ex, Twitter interaction from last week because of this pro day showing at UT Taylor, the tweets a picture of Mike Vrabel <laughs> taking a snap and saying Vrabel literally thinks he can play any position in the NFL still wouldn't get past me on, on one-on-one uh, pro though. And he, he tags Coach Rabel. Rabel then responds, just John and I out on the road looking for players, comma, even left tackles, eyeballs. <laughs> the <laughs> eyeball emoji at the end got me. To which Lawan responded with the little boy holding the water cup, doing the awkward, oh God, I should just get my mouth shut face. <laughs> but then Michael Ruse drops another little bomb under him saying, this was also my reaction when they drafted you talking to Taylor <laughs> I love the fact that Vrabel obviously ghost checks his mentions. The man almost <laughs> never tweets, but finds time in the middle of all of these visits to rip Lawan's ass a little bit. I, I do. So, you know, I know Vrabel takes some shit about, you know, him being his ego and, and stuff like that. I love, I do love the way Vrabel interacts with the players. And I think the players legitimately love Vrabel. Like I, I think Luan and, and Compton, like they enjoy mixing it up with Vrabel and like ribbing each other. Like they get each other's sense of humor, I think. So yeah, I, I thought that was hilarious. Um, and just to clean up what I just mentioned, um, Robinson and Vrabel were both at UT. They were also both at South Carolina, which, you know, obviously JC Horn, my heart, uh, you know, my, my favorite player possibly in the entire draft, uh, who will almost certainly not be there at 22, sadly. Uh, and then, um, shy Smith, who's in an interesting slot receiver as well, that, that could be like a middle round guy, um, some notable prospects for, for South Carolina, but, but those are, those are some schools where they both showed up, which is, I think always something that's worth keeping an eye on. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Um, Kind of a short and sweet podcast, although not too short and sweet. I think we gave you all 45 minutes. You can deal with 45 minutes of us. We gave um, you enough. Oh, we gave you we enough. <laughs> we gave you plenty, <laughs> damn it. Um, <laughs> give you our life and soul. So, uh, unfortunately, Zach unable to join us today, but uh, Mike and I got you taken care of on football and other F-words. Uh, last thing I want to say before we log off, um, if you live in Nashville or Middle Tennessee, this poor area has dealt with so much bullshit over the last year a tornado a derecho a flood not to mention all the problems with covid local businesses if you find time to yeah oh god the bombing i mean how could i even leave that one out 
if you find time with a local organization to help do some cleanup, I saw a local, a lot of local, you know, softball and baseball fields have been flooded, that kind of thing. If you got time to go do some cleanup, please do. Or if you can't do that and you got time and the, and the ability to maybe donate a little cash to, you know, a good group around Nashville that could use the help, you know, please do. Those a uh, lot of people out here having to deal with multiple problems. I, unfortunately, I saw a lot on Twitter of the same people who got hit with tornadoes, got hit with flooding and that kind of thing. And yeah. get, get, take some time, take some time to, to give back to your community. But um, thanks for putting up with us today. We appreciate it as always. Football and other efforts. You can find us always at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Wherever you find podcasts, please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends and neighbors that you listen to us. And if they tell you they don't like the show, tell them to shove it. Um, or move. Or, just or move. Get or away just, from your neighbors. Or, or just don't talk to that person anymore. They're not a friend or a valued family, family member in your life. Cut, cut them out of your life at all costs. <laughs> Delete the contact. <laughs> Block everything because we told you to. We are football and other efforts. We love you. You've just been out. Broadway Sports Media Production.